Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross, alongside my man Jack McKenzie, and we have the video inputs messed up. We have the video inputs all messed up, oh, and boy. that is all good. Keep vamping for a little. Keep for a little. So, I, yeah. So, first off, I want to give you mad props for your shirt because. When, when I initially saw this, I, I'm used to you rolling in here like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you're all prepped to go play basketball and ball out. And, you know, one day it'll be like an Oklahoma shirt, and then the next day it'll be an A&M shirt, and you'll keep rolling. I thought this was an Oklahoma State shirt at first. And then I realized you were rocking some Percy Jackson and the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Or not, well, not the Half-Blood, what whatever the hell he is, Percy Jackson. So uh, what, what would your what would your camp what, what would your main event be if you had to go to the camp half blood? Uh, no, I'd love getting the sword fighting, but like, dude, these cameras are really, really messed up right now. <laughs> oh man. But so, yeah, yeah. Sorry about this. Let me see if I can figure this out. So on the bright side, though. Okay, we've got. We you, do so. have a lot of things to go over. We have a lot of things to talk about today, whether it be March Madness, the Pac-12, and their TV deal, and even get into some SEC talk because I am a loyal SEC fan, or I wouldn't say loyal SEC fan. I'm an LSU fan at heart, and so I mean I ride and die with the SEC at times, but I'm really just not on board with some of the things that are starting to transpire and take place over there within the conference. So I want to get into that as well, man, but. They're just. I want to. I want to really dive into this March Madness stuff. But today, the the Pac-12, and I think this has really kind of been the the largest vocal point when you're looking at sports in general is what the Pac-12 is going to do with their TV negotiations and where they're at. Is the Big 12 going to be able to jump in and grab some of those teams? Uh, they were supposed to meet on Tuesday. And that meeting did not take place. This was supposed to be a Pac-12 board meetings with uh, members of presidents and everybody going on to kind of negotiate where they're at because, as we know right now, Fox is off the board. Um, but you're looking at can you somehow find some room, wiggle into what time slots are left with ESPN, which really isn't much, you know, given that they've already locked up the deal with the uh, uh, ACC. Um, they're going to have some other games going on as well, including the Big 12 but right now, you're in a situation where if you're the Pac-12, you're trying to figure out, okay, how can we get in a situation where we can find some sort of, whether it's a couple of big games a week on the, the ESPN, or more than likely, you're going to end up going streaming. So they did meet today, and John Wilner, the one of the guys that most Pac-12 loyalists go to for their information when now, I mean, it's kind of hit and miss with who people are believing – said the Pac-12 board met this morning and presidents received a positive update and the process will continue and a next board meeting is scheduled for the middle of April. This is the same shit we have been hearing over and over again. So it's going to be that kind of podcast. For the past today. kind of months. Like, I'm just so sick of this talk, dude. Like, I, 
the, this expansion stuff has gotten so out of control and it's like it's tribalistic i don't care if the pac-12 stays together i don't care if the pac-12 falls apart as somebody who covers the big 12 i think it would be cool as hell to go to arizona and, and cover some games i love that state i think it would be cool to go to colorado and cover some states and cover those, some games i think it would be awesome if it happens great if it doesn't i don't care but, I mean, there's a lot going on right now. What are your thoughts as far as some of the comments that came out last week from the Arizona AD and where the, the, president. the president and where they're at right now in Wildcat country? Oh, man, where do I even start? I do think the situation is getting clearer. I definitely think uh, the openness from Robert Robbins was very nice to, to see, to hear. Um, but I also don't think it was anything we already don't know exactly like I, I can see why you're getting tired of it because it just seems like it it's really a we need to get our tv deal so we have a number in front of us to decide against the big 12 number now which schools are more likely to jump which schools have a lower like a lower buffer where it's like, well, I'm not going to accept three million less right. versus I'm not going to accept five million less or I'm not going to accept eight million less. Like where their number is changes by the school, I think. But overall, I think they're all just in this wait and see, have both numbers in front of us and then figure it out, kind of kind of mode. Yeah, it, it, to me, like at this point, the numbers have got to be significant, and and that's the the thing that's mind boggling because. I feel like the Pac-12 will get a deal done, and I think it will be mostly streaming. And I, and honestly, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think that it oh, fits. I, I think the Pac-12 has a problem with that. Okay, and I mostly understand. Like, like anything more than 50-50, I think that's a, that's a deal breaker. Like the money is probably the most important part, but if it's you get the same money and you are more than 50% on streaming, if you're even 55% streaming – I think that makes it that much tougher to sign that deal and stay in the Pac-12. Well, I get that, but I feel at this point, like the Pac-12 is is already one of those conferences that it's, um, I would say its viewership is selected. Like, like you have a group of people that want to go there, and for years it's it's because it's out of their control, right? Because most of their games come on late, they're further behind than everybody else. So I feel like if you put all of their games on streaming you're still going to garner the same attention that you've always gotten. What you're going to miss out on is the few people that carry over from watching, uh, you know, another game across the nation that ends at 839 and then maybe we'll dive over. But still, if you're wanting to go out of your way, I think you're going to, it's not going to be difficult for most people to go click a button and watch a Pac-12 game. Like, I just, I don't see that it's that complicated. It's not that complicated, but it's not a brand building endeavor. It's important to have those casual viewers. It's important to have people tune in without knowing they're tuning in. That helps you build your brand. It really does. And when you're off on streaming, I find this w watching my own teams and other sports where it's only streaming, like ESPN plus or like mm -hmm. baseball, soccer, whatever. Right. I can't roll from one event into the next event, into the next event. It's always, I, like, I might end up on my phone at the end because they're like doing the post-game recap. I'm listening, but I'm not watching because I already saw it all. Mm. And instead of rolling into another event, all of a sudden I realize, oh, I've been scrolling through Reddit for like 15 minutes. Why is nothing playing on my TV? I look up, oh, it's the your event has ended screen on ESPN+. I'm like, you literally could have 
hooked me into a whole nother game for in two entirely different schools that I do not care about. And I probably would have stayed and been a viewer. And who knows? Maybe some maybe some person goes off in soccer, scores a hat trick, or or we've got a pitcher who's throwing a no-hitter. And all of a sudden, I'm invested. And then I know about that team. And then I think, hey, maybe I come back and watch more of that team. That's what you're losing on streaming. See, I don't I, – I, and I come up from it from a different perspective because I watch a lot of hockey. And most of the hockey I watch is on ESPN+. Plus. So, therefore, when I go through, how I watch it is – Say um, there's a, a game going on in the first period ends of the Stars and the Canucks. Well, then I'm going back out, and then there's a display there of, like, the five games going on. I'll find which one's the best, and I'll pop into it. So I don't, I don't think that it's that big. I think if you're, you're a much game, more active viewer then. Right. I don't think that everyone or – I just think there's a pretty even split between active viewers and passive viewers. And passive viewers are that much more likely to hang around. They're not – like – they want the TV to do the work for them. We're lazy people. Right, but I think if you understand, I feel like the Pac-12 is looking at this saying, okay, we understand our market. We understand the people around us. And I feel like if you invest in the future and you invest in what most of your people are accustomed to, then you're going to build a culture of fans who understand and have this established mindset of how you're going to watch something. I don't think it's... Miss me with that future shit, goddammit. Dude, I'm, I'm, not, like, no. I'm sitting over here on my couch trying to drink. Well, okay, Miller Lite. all right, exactly. And then go watch this. I'm SEC. in my goddamn truck stop conference, son. <laughs> exactly. Watch Come that. on. But see, I don't think that you're gonna. I just, I feel like, I, I don't know. I, I just one of those fringe things in society where, like, even if you go back to March Madness, right? Like, I, I noticed this during March Madness because there was a commercial. And it was a, the whole theme of the commercial was the power's going out, like the world's ending, but you can still watch your phone on the game. Yep. I mean, you watch the uh, game on your phone. Okay. That, that's the, the model. That's the, and I understand it's got to start somewhere. So that's where I'm coming from, from the Pac-12 is like, I, I see the concept of it. And, and I think that in the grand scheme of things, it can work. Somebody's got to do it, right? Like somebody's got to jump in. And if they're in a position right now, where the, the linear options are just not there, screw it, man. Just give it a shot. What can, what do you really have to lose at this point? Like You already have half of your, your – it's divided within the conference. You have half the teams trying to figure out their future and how they can get out. Like, what are you really going to lose in the next five years? What are you going to lose? Yeah, okay, get into that. What are you going to lose? You have still a legitimate chance – at being that number three conference. As much as Big 12 fans don't want to believe it, as much as ACC fans don't want to believe it, the Pac-12 has every freaking chance of being that third-place conference right now if they get a good deal and stick together. If that deal pushes them off to the corner enough, whether it's through streaming or through money or through a combination of both, they are not winning that bronze medal. And uh, that bronze medal was pretty important to Robert Robbins in what he said. Quoting from the Dennis Dollar article, this is a quote of Robert Robbins okay. in that article. I've never tried in my life to win third place for anything. If we get a solid bronze medal in this thing, it's the best we can do for right now. Most people have us dead. They have us completely. It's like an airplane crashing. Like an airplane crashing. Okay. Look, there are stakes to this. No, I get that. I just, I feel like it's. In a sense, I feel like it's it, it's external things that are causing. I, I, 
I just feel like the, at the this money, point, the money value, the dollars, like whatever comes after the dollar sign, that doesn't completely make it the bronze medal or off the podium. That's what I'm trying to say here with streaming. Streaming, if your deal is too too much streaming, it can take your, maybe you get a million more. Maybe you get the exact same number as a big 12. Right. If it's through streaming and that doesn't turn out how everyone hopes it will in the Pac-12, which I've got to be clear when I say this, streaming could turn out to be great. I do not know. I don't have faith in it. I generally am not a risk taker in my life. Some might call that conservative, but apparently that's a word I can't throw around. <laughs> um, I'm not a risk taker. I don't feel like streaming is the right move. I don't think it's going to blow up in the future. I, that's why I'm hesitant about it. That's why I feel like it's a risky move for the Pac-12. But that's what I'm trying to say is it's not just the dollar sign. It's not just the number value. It's all streaming plays a role in what makes it the true bronze medal. I'm a ri- I've, I'm a very much a risk taker, and I go against the grain. I, I do believe that streaming is the future, I, and I believe that eventually that's going to be where 95% of stuff is at. I think that linear options will always be there, um, especially m- probably more so your – it will probably revert back to – as a, you won't relate to this, but coming up as an 80s, 90s child, like literally in, in dirt poor, you, have, you had like five channels. Like yeah. seriously, no, so I, and I think that's what you'll I hold on, on to. PBS, man. Okay, come on. Well, I think you're going to have like you'll always have your core Fox, CBS, ABC, NBC will always be there. But I think for the most part, streaming is it, it's inevitable. And while right now it seems like it's a it's a large obstacle and it's it's something foreign, I do see the upside in it. And I know right right now that's probably risky given the market, given the current landscape of this economy in whole across the country and all these big companies doing layoffs and stuff. But I do feel like ultimately somebody's going to be the conference that does this. And I think the Big 12 was the conference that did this with ESPN+. Like they kind of tap dipped their toes in it a little bit. But, you know, it's not for everybody, so I do understand that perspective of it. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, Something's going to happen, and some teams are already kind of apprehensive. Who do you think's the first school right now, kind of even going off of what Robbins was saying? So it's obviously Arizona is somebody who's considering this. Who are other than Arizona? Because one, one of the quotes or one of the things he said that stood out to me was when he was talking about Arizona State and how they're not necessarily joined at the hip. Like when you, It's kind of like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, right? It, it's very weird because – what he essentially said was, we are not obligated to go together right. wherever we go, but we are in lockstep, as in the leadership get along and agree and have the same vision on a lot of things, despite not having an obligation. Yeah. So, going off of that, I Robin's comments definitely make me feel better for the Pac-12. They definitely do. Like, as much as I want to take... No way you hear talk of it's going to be all streaming. Nobody is going for that. Over 50%? No, I don't think so. That's a direct quote mm-hmm. of Robbins. And I still think the Pac-12 is in better shape after reading this whole article because he just seemed to be very methodical, logical, thought out, ready to go once he gets all the data in front of him from the numbers. A school I don't think is, is quite there, quite so stable, mm-hmm. is Colorado. See, that, that, that makes... So Colorado is intriguing, and, and I really, honestly, I'm 
full disclosure, I don't really know too much of the smoke coming out of Colorado. Same here. So, But I feel like they're one who – because it seems like they've been quiet, but they, they find – to me, they come across as like a school who would be apprehensive to kind of crawl back to where you ran away from. And But at the same time, I think the hiring of Dion – and all of the the exposure that's going to bring. I mean, obviously they're going to be televised. Their spring football game is going to be televised on ESPN, yep. which is crazy because most regular season Pac-12 games probably won't, but all Colorado's damn spring game will. That's the mind-boggling thing of this all. But I feel like with his connections to the state of Texas, um, that probably makes the people, the pulse within the the, acad- the athletic department more interested in coming back than if he wasn't the head coach. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. And I also think that um, that just overall, I think the money is going to have to make that much more sense for them now that they have Dion on the hook. Right. All the exposure that they can get from Dion, I don't think that makes up for what they're spending on him and what he will ask them to spend in facility upgrades and NIL and all of this other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think also you need to be realistic if you're while well, facility upgrades and stuff are necessary i think any coach is going to want that i think at the same time can push for them harder yeah but i think at the same time you've got to be realistic with yourself if you're the ad of colorado or even the the donors that this dude isn't here for the long term so i'm not i would be kind of tentative to just go all in on giving him everything he wants per se i understand that but whoever comes after him if he does a good enough job to move on and move up, whoever comes Which after just the him ultimate goal. should be better than anyone they could have gotten before Dion. No, I mean, that's, that's, so, yeah, that's fact. So Dion's going to push, but I think if you're smart as a university, you see that push as this is going to force us to be better. That way we can be better even after he's gone. Right. So I just think that's really interesting. But I one one of our bosses, uh, Brian Etheridge, this is the way he put it uh, on second365.com. He's been locked in on he, this He really has. Stuff. He's been, He's locked been in. networking the heck out of stuff. He's got some good sources. Um, he said, most volatile Pac-12 institution is Colorado. The Buffs have invested in Dion, spent money – spent some money they didn't have raised and will be tasked to raise even more. Adding a few million may be enough if the exposure isn't uh, adding adding a few million may be enough if the exposure isn't there. He worded that wrong. Um, they also know how the story ends if they hesitate and Arizona and Arizona State jump before them. That's an underrated part of all of this if you believe the Pac-12 is going to break up is how many will the Big 12 take? So he how say, many can they take? So you're so Okay, so you think that if Arizona and Arizona State jump first and Colorado will get left out? Is that what that comment is supposed to mean? There's a possibility there. I don't, like, I think anyone, any fan in the Big 12 right now would say, no, we'll take four. Like, absolutely, I think the Big 12 take, takes four if they can. Yeah, I don't but, think they would leave Colorado out if Arizona and Arizona State came, though. That, that, I, don't, I don't see that. There, there are possibilities out there. I'm not saying I believe in them much, but... It's it's not something to to just shoo away. I mean, you still have Oregon and Washington. They might be discontents, but they're they're better take than Colorado, both yeah. of them. So if you get the package of the Arizonas, and then Oregon and Washington are like, ah, you know, we want in, we want in. I I don't think that'll ever happen. I do not think that at this point. I don't my, think there's my point is not that 
it will or won't happen. My point is it's however small of a possibility, a possibility that schools have to worry about. There, there are six of them. They're not taking all six. No, they're not. And I think that's been pretty abundantly clear at this point that they're, they're not. But so if you're Arizona state, I mean, in Arizona leaves, um, then what do you do? I mean, do you think they follow them or are they just going to kind of peep the situation and say, well, we'll stay here in the pack. Like they follow them in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. I, I do not see Arizona leaving and Arizona state staying. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. You lose your number one in-state rival. You know your rival's getting more money, and your own conference is going to suffer because of their departure. No, that's fine. That, that's a that's a good point. It, it's it's not so much the direct like screw you A and M Texas kind of thing, but it's you, you don't <laughs> you just don't want to have that separation. Well, what the hell? Like what? Where is San Diego State? And where is SMU and all this crap? Like, because uh, you were on board. Like, there was all the talk. They're coming. You have Klyovkov hanging out at SMU basketball games. And then now it's just, like, nothing. Like, I, I, there's been so many distractions from the situation that, like, I don't even know what the hell is going on anymore. I think the best way to put it is that the entire Pac-12 views SMU and San Diego State as non-additive where they're at currently. If they have every single current member, obviously UC, mm -hmm. USC and UCLA are gone. Yeah. If they have every single current member remaining stay in, they are not additive. They do not bump the money up. No. They take away. The second you lose anyone, that's when you start looking at them as maybe not additive, but they don't subtract and they stabilize. So it's like Puerto Rico to America? Or all those other countries, like you just hold on to them. They're like not states, but you just leave them sitting out there. Like we'll, we'll just kind of halfway deal with you. That's uh, that's an interesting way to put it. And <laughs> as a geography and history nerd, I don't think it's entirely accurate. But um, maybe. Okay. Okay. It, it's it's one of those things where uh, I think SMU and San Diego State they're not going anywhere. Right. So I think they're perfectly happy to be considered. You know, one A, one B for let's bring you in if we need you, uh, and I think the entire Pac-12 is just hoping. I hope we don't need them, right? Because if they need them, that means that's someone's a bad. Left. That's all that bad. means. Someone's left. Those yeah. two are not getting into the Pac-12 unless someone leaves. Right. Well, it's all madness, man. It's insane, and it's so we'll see. I guess right now we're probably looking at another couple weeks before we hear any sort of update, and I'm sure there's going to be wars on twitter and everybody else still going at it but we'll find out i, I guess it's just a waiting game right now till mid-april see if anything comes of this but who knows but there is some current sports going on jack oh, it is yeah. march the sweet 16 has been set we had a bunch of upsets we've had some coaching moves across college basketball and we're going to get into that next here on the college chaos podcast let's see if we can fix the cameras Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Uh, I'm Jack, this is Garrett, and in the true spirit of the title of this podcast, the name of this podcast, the College Chaos Podcast, we're going to dive into some of this March Madness chaos. Let's do it. Down. So, Garrett, start us off. Who was your standout team from March Madness this weekend? Oh, standout team, man. I would. All right, so I'll probably have to go with Arkansas. 
Um, because we kind of talked about this a, a little bit, and it might have been off the air, when Kansas was going to be matched up with Arkansas. I, I think it was last week when we were looking at Kansas's road. And having an opportunity to watch Arkansas play Baylor, I know you were there firsthand. I thought that their athleticism and their depth, the way they can get around the court, could give Kansas some troubles. Uh, obviously, I think the elephant in the room is Bill Self was not coaching. You can put into that what you want. I think that the the and I, I blank on his name, but the the coach that filled in for him is could be a head coach I want anywhere. To say it was Norm Roberts. Norm Roberts. That's right. He I think he could fill in and be a coach anywhere. So I'm not putting that much of an emphasis on the coaching and not having Bill Self there. While that was an issue. Uh, Arkansas, hands down, played a they, they played a hell of a game, dude. I right, saw so shout out to them, shout out to Eric Musselman because at times they can kind of him especially can kind of get in his own way. Um, but yeah, I think that was probably my my standout performance from a team yeah, as a whole. So you've hopped on the must bus, uh, must bus, man. Yeah, no, until I, this week, because UConn <laughs> is going to violate them. Oh, okay. That's. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, had their moment. Oh they had their little fun in the sun. They are getting violated by UConn. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the word choice, man. Oh, my. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, I definitely picked UConn over, over Kansas. I, man, I don't think it can be underrated, the difference self can make. I mean, it was a one-point game. That was a no, one-point final scoreline, and. I mean, self is a multi multi-time championship winning coach. Like, I'm sure you know there there probably done. could have been like a, a timeout or you know I'm sure there's some technical thing that you could go back and dial in and say maybe having him there could have been a difference. But at the end of the day, man, the players make the plays, the coaches coach. Arkansas made more plays. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And like, I'm not trying to take away from Arkansas on that. They beat one heck of a team. After watching both teams here, yeah. I got to watch Kansas in person twice this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, uh, and I got to see Arkansas in person once. All those games against Baylor. So, I don't know if that helps or hinders my my views of them. But Arkansas is so freaking athletic and yeah. long. I do think that Kansas is more athletic than Baylor. So, I thought they'll get it done. Baylor got it done at home. I think mm. Kansas can get it done on neutral, neutral court. And they nearly did. It was... That was a heck of a game, and uh, yeah. But I got to say, my standout from uh, from the first weekend, it's a tough pick for me, but I think I just – I really have to go with Princeton, man. They, that, that you can't go wrong with Princeton. Like, there there was something in me. You know, they've got that basketball history, the, the whole Princeton offense, the back cutting and all of that. It was just like, hmm. Do I pick them over Arizona? Is that my like crazy upset? Don't this even year? bring that up, <laughs> Mr. Arizona champion, dude. Okay, look, I lo I like Arizona. Like, and I, and I was thinking about this this morning because I don't know if in your generation, but coming up, we used to have like okay, you would always have like your college football team and you would have your college basketball team because not every school is like that. You know, they're not, not every school. Very rarely do you have a good college basketball program, college football program. So. My college basketball team was always Arizona. And, like, I, I remember watching the Bibby National Championship. They're beating Kentucky. Like, I, I, Lute Olsen, I love Arizona. And so I was like, okay, this has got to be the year, right? Like, you finally have it clicking. Everything looks good. Oh, and I no, probably no. got a little cocky. Oh, I know no, I got a little no. cocky. Because, I, realistically, if Arizona would have made it through, I think Bama would have beat them. I just do not – I cannot stomach Alabama winning the national championship this year. 
I, I, it, I can't either. I, I have no either. interest in that. So I probably went with my my heart instead oh, of we'll being realistic. We'll get to all that later. But yeah. SEC so time. anyway, so I just I, I I took Arizona. Shout out to Princeton. You did your thing. You sent Arizona packing, and you ruined my bracket day one. So thank you for all of that. Yes, thank you, Princeton, because that was entertaining as heck. No, it was. And not. then you go and you back it up against Missouri. I I love it. it it's one of those. They're just a really solid fundamental team. Not saying they don't have good athletes. Not saying they don't have a, good, a great coach. It's just one of those. It just feels like basketball in its purest form, and they're causing chaos. Like it's not Lob City. It's not like any flash, really. It's just we're it's gonna go discipline. Bat. It's Spurs. And we're gonna go beat you. It's like it's like the pop That's Spurs, dude. Because you don't have necessarily the most the, the most athletic players. But you have people who are disciplined, they understand their role, and they excel at their role at a level where most people can't. And you could take a three-star who plays lockdown defense up against a five-star, and I might take the three. That, that's what you're dealing with, right? You're dealing with a lot, a lot of worker ants who know their role and excel, and hats off to Princeton, man. The game with Creighton is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, honestly, I really hope they make it through that because if Bama and Princeton meet the Elite Eight, that's like that's the ultimate like flash and athleticism and skill versus we just are a great team. Right. That would make my world, like, dude. It would be like everything that's right about college basketball versus, and I don't <laughs> say this lightly, everything that's wrong with college basketball. Bro, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Is there any other like matchups you're looking at in the Sweet 16 that kind of catch your attention? Oh, man. Or okay. were there any? All right, I want to bring this up. We're talking about teams. Was it, I think that Marquise Noel, his performance – Oh, wait, Touched are you talking my about the little soul. kid? The little guy. <laughs> the little guy on the court, dude. All right, so I come up with when and one mixtapes were, like, the shit, dude. Like, that was my era. So watching Marquise Noel just channel his inner skip to my Lou made my <laughs> heart so full. And just watching them play. And then the Florida Atlantic, like, I know a lot of people were on them for how that game ended. I love it. Throw the dunk down. <laughs> Talk trash. You got to make dude, the dunk, though. I don't care. You went for it. It would have been better. if you. It would have been better. Like You want a showboat? Show I, that you can I boat. I don't care, dude. It, it was about setting the energy. A lot of people hate it. I loved it. I'm into that kind of stuff. I want drama. I want Rucker Park. I want, <laughs> like, dude, I don't give a damn about, like, just give me that. And Marquise Noel and Florida Atlantic have made my basketball year so what do you think of this uh calipari versus jerome tang stuff where calipari calls marquise noel the little kid and from what i believe jerome tang heard it because he was waiting Hell outside yeah, he heard it like heard it before his his little bit about how we have more dudes than they do and their old guys ain't coming through the door and helping them win i love it because i, I love jerome tang I, I think that that kind of shows he's not going to put up with crap from anybody uh i don't care if you're a blue blood i don't care how many national championships you have i don't care how many people you've put into the nba i'm going to do it my way and my culture and my culture stronger than your culture and i think right now i, I don't care i think 
Jerome Tang will have his tenure as a head coach wherever he goes, the culture will be better than anything John Calipari will ever put together in his life as a head coach. He can put out stars. He has pathetic culture, and that carries over. You haven't really won crap at Kentucky since John Wall and them. You go back and look at everything that happened prior to that and all of the, the missteps at Memphis or where, you know, I'm talking about you had all of that going on, and then now you – you can't get it together. You rely on one and duns, and you're dealing with players that really aren't bought into you. You have the number one recruiting class come in next year, but you're still going to flop because it's, it's just you don't have the discipline. You don't have the culture. I don't think he knows how to coach as a whole team, get everybody bought in. He can say, okay, well, you're a star. Go out, play somebody else. But when you have to get down to it and it gets into the nitty-gritty and it gets down to technical things and how am I going to match this game up and make the right decisions – I don't think he can do it. Yeah, I I really don't have much to add, Max. I I agree, but uh, I want I want to look uh, ahead in the tournament a little. You were asking about good Sweet Sixteen matchups, and I'm kind of thinking like, who do I really believe in to make the Final Four at this point? And I'm looking at at a couple teams, honestly, that I really believe will make the Final Four. That's UConn and Texas. Oh, dude, yeah, they're both playing well. As much as I don't want to give it to Texas, they're Man, they're they're convincing. I like Texas. I, I think Rodney Terry is doing a tremendous job there. I think that if he doesn't get named the head coach, then that is just complete, really ridiculous. He's got, it. He's got it at this point. I don't truly trust that. I don't. In a logical world where Texas athletic department does not know how to work, you're not going to hire Rodney Terry. They're going to try to go get a John Calipari because it's the splash. It's the name. If you put him in place, dude, and let it cut him loose, they can win national championships in Texas. I don't trust their Crystal Conte and the the people who have the money to actually logically do that just because they're not – that's just not how they operate. If they did it, tremendous. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, I think that they, right now they're kind of like the epitome of how you win in college athletic – or college basketball because you get old – you have skill players, and while NIL is involved, it, it's at the same time it's not the most important thing because you have a sound culture there that people are buying into, and it's really interesting to see. If Texas wins the national championship, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they will, but it wouldn't be surprised. Would yeah, surprise me. It would not surprise me. It would hurt me deeply, but it would not surprise me. And then we could have this great discussion about what's the like rank of basketball programs in texas this was a segment we had thought of doing a while back yeah well we i'm glad we waited i'm glad we season, waited uh because it was like okay you've got houston and baylor who seem to be clearly the top two texas is getting in that conversation right now yep like it'll be tough to say if, if they lose this game to xavier it's going to be tough to say they really bridged any part of that gap sweet 16 is nice uh dude they haven't they've they made have, the they sweet really, 16 like they they that's what i'm saying They've made the Sweet 16 not much more. But if they go much further, they if they make it out of this next weekend, they make a Final Four, then then you got to be like, they're scary. They, they, are, they are the bluest of blood as far as, like, when you think of blue blood, like money. That's the scary part. Because that's the scary part. When they start throwing them. They've got the money. They've got the coolest town in Texas. As weird as it is. I like, love Austin. People want to go to Austin. It's not for everyone, but... If you're a crazy skilled basketball player, seems like it might be your kind of town. Uh, yep. So more so than Waco. 
probably a little more so than Houston, unless you're, I don't know, James Harden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my point is, Texas is scary, and we'll see where all that goes. Who are you scared of not going much further in this tournament? Because, like, Kansas State and Michigan State, Tom Izzo, I love Jerome Tang. I think they've got more skill and talent, but Izzo knows how to win. He does know how to win. I think it's one of those things where right now I, I believe I saw something out there. He's like one of the, the winningest head coach still out, still coaching in the tournament right now. Um, Michigan State's been there before. Like I feel like they're one of those programs like Syracuse that you you know them. They're always in the mix, but they somehow find a way to mess it up. And I think they can get past Kansas State. Um, I don't. I think Kansas State has a lot of uh, like they put on such a show. Like I don't know how you match that energy. I know you had some time off and everything. Are you going to see the bright lights in New York and get nervous like that? So those are some. And while Marquise Noel's going home, and he wants to put on a show, I mean, there's that angle. But I, I could see Michigan State moving on. But I don't see Michigan State making it to the final four me neither necessarily they're in the bracket to make it though if they beat kansas state they're gonna have to face fau or tennessee tennessee's a great defensive team yeah but no, they're that's still a good point. Without their point guard like i think that's wide open i just i think kansas state's a favorite out of that and i am nervous that they won't make it out of that um similar to probably my other one would be houston houston is not there, there's something about Houston. As much as they've won and they pulled away, they found a way to do it, there's something that's not convincing. And with Texas in their bracket, I am concerned if I'm a Houston fan. Yeah, and I don't want to overlook this game with Miami either because I think that's Miami's one of those teams who – what's funny about Miami is is I think what you see with this Miami basketball team, and you could really even go over to the women's team as well, is they're having that NIL success that they were hoping the football team would have off the jump. <laughs> but it's a little different when you only have to pay like 10 people and you don't have to pay like 53. Yeah. So you're starting to reap the rewards of that. Uh, and I know a lot of people probably hate that about this Miami team. I love Nigel Pack. I, I loved watching him when he was at Kansas State. I wish he would have stayed. Um, obviously, I'm not going to knock him for doing what he did whatever float your boat uh but i think it would have been really cool to see him in jerome Tame's offense uh but at the same time i look it's not for everybody i know a lot of people are going to look at the miami team they're going to hate on it because of the circumstances how it's put together but i think they're a really fun group i don't necessarily think they can beat houston but i think it'll be like a one or two possession game yeah it'll, it'll be very interesting to see um that's not a game I'm overlooking, but I do think that the defensive dogs on Houston are going to slow down those two great guards yeah, from Miami. Yeah, they, they should. I am expecting a Houston versus Texas Elite Eight matchup, and that is going to get this state rocking. Because, again, we are in Texas, um, <laughs> in case you forgot. Uh, anyway, that's all I have on March Madness. You got anything? I do. So I, th this is one thing I want to bring up, because every year when March Madness comes around, we see the upsets, right? And it's it's great. I love it. Oh, don't, uh, don't mention Purdue. I was trying to avoid them. No, I wasn't. I was going to let Purdue slide. <laughs> I, I mean, there's you could really break that down in many you ways. You really shouldn't. But, but I'm, I'm going to let Purdue slide, even though they just epically failed. Like, I don't understand that process. Cool. Go win the Big Ten every year. Actually, win some damn tournament games. <laughs> but... Rick Patino, you have all right, so every year when when the we see these runs and you know coaching changes are going to come. So Rick Patino, while they didn't make a run with Iona, he takes the job at St. John's, and I think that's really intriguing because 
you go to the mecca of college basketball. You go, you're playing all your games in the garden. I don't know necessarily how much, like, that's really going to do for them in the long run. I think they can make things interesting. But at the same time, that opens up Iona. And with that, you get Tobin Anderson, who took Fairleigh Dickinson on the run, and now he's your head coach at Iona, replacing Patino. Uh, some more coaching news to come out. Providence is going to be, I guess they, I don't know if they found a coach yet or not, but Ed Cooley chunked the deuce. He's going to Georgetown. <laughs> yep. And I know a lot of people are probably looking at this, and it pissed a lot of people off, honestly. But I, I think that you could kind of look at it from right now and say maybe is that a lateral move? I, but for me, I, I know the history. I know that uh, Thompson, Coach Thompson, was a big influence and on Ed Cooley and somebody he looked up to, Coach John Thompson from Georgetown. So I think being able to follow in those footsteps is is really awesome and an opportunity that I'm excited to see what he can do with the Hoyas because oh, to yeah. me, basketball is great when you have programs like Georgetown in the mix. I, I just I, I've always had a soft spot for the Hoyas. And I, then, I agree, and uh, just to piggyback yeah. off that, D.C. is an amazingly fertile it's recruiting freaking ground. freaking awesome city, too. Georgetown has more resources than Providence does. Cooley was fighting for resources that he won't have to fight for at Georgetown when he was at Providence. Yeah. So that seems like an upgrade for Cooley. It's crazy to me that he left Providence, a place that he really helped build, but – It'll be interesting to see where that goes, and it'll be great to have Georgetown hopefully back in the tournament. I, I hope so, man. It's been way too long. Uh, and then one more coaching change that is official, Paul Mills. The Scott Drew coaching tree continues to flourish because after what he was able to do with Oral Roberts, he now has uh, taken the job at Wichita State, which is one of those programs kind of, you know, you, they're like a Creighton. They're always in the mix. They're dangerous um, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do up there. I think he'll have the Shockers rolling within a couple of years. And then one to keep an eye on, I don't know if it's official, but the smoke is out there for another Scott Drew guy, Grant McCaslin, the yeah. possibility of taking over at Texas Tech. He spent time at Texas Tech. I think that would be an excellent hire for the Red Raiders, but not necessarily for Coach Drew because he's gone out of his way for so long to not have to play people he's close he to. hates playing people And he now, family. dude, if – Ah, uh, it would be brutal for Drew, but I know that ultimately it's one of those things that he would, it would make him proud. He's going to be very proud, but yeah. those are some of the things I wanted to touch on, some of the coaching changes and stuff building off of that. Yeah, and uh, some of the reasons for those coaching changes and some of the fallout from some Big 12 coaching changes, like Beard leaving Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. uh, Beard leaving Texas and Mark Adams leaving Texas Tech. Yeah. Sorry, Beard left Texas Tech a while ago. Um some of that fallout has carried over into the SEC. <sighs> and we're going to go take a deep look at what the heck is going on in the SEC and what exactly do they mean when they say it, it just, just means, means more. What up, everybody? Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross alongside Jack McKenzie and... We're going to put a bow on the show with this fun little segment here called SEC Dysfunction. And I <laughs> talking about this is always interesting because, like I said, I'm an LSU fan when it comes to really mainly football, baseball, whatever. I, I know they're great. They're one of them in the natty, but I'm kind of in and out when it comes to baseball. But the famous saying, Jack, when it comes to the SEC is it just means more. And, you know, from a football perspective, and I really think from an athletic standpoint, uh, perspective as a whole when you look kind of like 
what they've been able to accomplish on the basketball court, whether it's men's or women's, like baseball. They have the championships. They got the trophies stacked up across the boards when it comes to athletics. But at what cost are we doing this? Yeah, what else stacks up, Garrett? So I, I was thinking about this because there's always drama. Like, you used to see it a lot, and you still do in the NFL. Like, every offseason, it was, well, what the hell is going to unfold? So I wanted to went back and looked at a few things that have happened in the SEC as of late. And I'm going to name them off, and I want to let you start where we're going. But here's a few of the things that have caught my attention out of the SEC as of late. LSU football gangbang. Before the bowl game involving staff and Keyshawn Boutte, ironically, um, Brian Kelly's marriage getting put in a bond, like it was a divorce and then it's not. And then there's a whole, you could dig into that because Ed Orgeron had marital issues. Um, Les Miles had some marital issues. There's something going on in Baton Rouge with that. Then let's head to Georgia. Okay, cool. You win a natty. You win two back-to-back natties in football. Well, you got players racing and staff members getting killed. Uh, your quarterback is a drunken mess when he's supposed to be preparing for the NFL draft and gets arrested. Um, and then let's head to Bama. Oh, cool. You're going to win a national championship in basketball. You got a good chance, but your best player freaking took a gun to somebody getting murdered. And you have people wearing killing our way through the SEC shirts. That's just really cool. Yeah, don't forget the murderer was on the team. Oh, it was, yeah, the murderer was on the team. Um, okay, and then just recently with the football team in Alabama, you have a five-star player doing 141 with multiple grams of weed, um, $7,000 in cash, and a loaded gun. I'll be damned. Wonder what he was doing there. Uh, then let's go to Florida. Oh, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our quarterback room. Oh, wait, one of our quarterbacks is a pedophile and has child porn on his computer. Great. Let's keep looking. Oh, we're Auburn. We need a football coach. Hey, let's get you freeze. He knows his way around the SEC. Oh, what did he do? Used his cell phone to get prostitutes while preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. And then Ole Miss, what do you do for your basketball coach? Hey, you know what? There's this guy in Texas who just got in trouble for beating his wife, but legally got a loophole around it and didn't get in trouble because magically she says, everything's okay. Let's bring him on down. Oh, wait, and then A&M? Okay, let's, let's figure out how we're going to hire people for our football staff. Let's get DJ Durkin, who murdered a kid in practice at Maryland. And then when Jimbo finally has to be told, your offense sucks because it's outdated, we need to turn things over and get an offensive coordinator in here. Oh, let's get Bobby Petrino, whose famous pitcher is him in a neck brace because he had a damn GA student on the back of a motorcycle that he wrecked, and he chunked a deuce to the air of uh, the Atlanta Falcons in the middle of the night, leaving a damn letter in the locker and riding out like Paul Revere. Like, where do you want to start, bro? Where do you want to start? One, you just went for three minutes and there was no break, which is amazing. It's incredible. And let's start with Bama because we just came out of a March Madness segment. That is probably the most pressing story right now. And I mean, it's a capital murder case. Yeah. Involving a five-star top NBA prospect. Yeah. Like, I I don't even know where to begin with it. Oh, but it was the wrong place, wrong time, Jack. It's how, however familiar you are with guns, I'm just sitting here being like, how do you not 
always know where a gun is. You, uh, how do you have, like, do you have a gun just, oh, it's just buried under the crap in my back seat? Or is it, yeah, I've got a gun hidden under this pile of crap in my back seat. Oh, you know what it was. Yeah, I know what it was. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it makes no sense. And the, the way they've handled the media around all of this. It's disgusting. Like, obviously, you kick the guy who got accused of capital murder off the team. Like, yeah, that was simple enough. Good, Bama. You got that one. Check. You don't do shit to the guy who delivered the murder weapon. Whether you want to say knowingly or not, the murder weapon would not have gotten there if he hadn't physically gotten it there. Mm-hmm. And I, I really hope I don't have the facts wrong on this, but I believe he was heading there already when he got the text. So even if he did not know he had the murder weapon, he was heading to the scene of a crime because he's friends with a capital murderer. <sighs> it, 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 it blows my mind. And then Nate Oates just goes up on, on the podium and just gets kind of flippant with, with the media. And he's, he's just like, it, it's like he thinks he can use the typical, like, this, this is not a typical problem. You've got to use. Oh, more but they, the, they prayed about it at, at half court. Yeah, was that before or after the the walk on patted down Brandon Miller? Oh, that was before the pat down. Like every single step, it seems like they have lacked the forethought. They haven't taken the time to think through how is this going to sound. We need to treat this like it's a serious matter because it's a serious matter, and they just haven't. I. It, I don't know how, how I can even get to the rest of the SEC <laughs> stuff right now because this is, oh, man, it's insane. So the, the funny thing, well, it, none of this is funny, but <laughs> I, I think that when you go back to the old Miss situation and bringing in Chris Beard, it was uniquely timed how they took the TCU approach when introducing him as they bring Chris Beard out. Like, all right, for instance, if I'm referencing TCU, when they brought in Kendall Browse controversially and – he, the picture that they put out after they really did limited social media stuff was all his, his wife and his daughters in front of him on the plane. He's barely in the like back that you can see him. a human shield. You barely see him. Okay. Ole Miss is like, oh, that worked for them. Let's try it. So they bring Chris Beard out with his daughters in the front, in and we're taking this pretty little picture. It work? Dude, it's, it's so ridiculous, and it's, it's ignorant, and it just shows the fact that if you – Wins mean more to human lives than human lives. Wins mean more than academics. Wins mean more. It's just, it's so freaking disgusting. And that's really, I, I struggle watching sports and enjoying sports because of the shit like this at times. And then the, the A&M aspect is funny because this is the thing where Jimbo, they, they forced Jimbo's hand into hiring somebody else. And, of course, ironically, you bring in Petrino. I, you can't make that. I think he was looking at this like, okay, I, I have a relationship to this guy at some extent. We'll just kind of make this work. They held their first spring practice yesterday, and he cuts reporters off and is trying to, like, say, well, we're just – shut up, don't ask about it. We're just going to kind of deal with it. And then he was asked again, and he kind of said, well, we'll figure out who's going to make the play calls. We'll figure out who's going to call the plays. When the whole purpose of this was you were told you can't call plays. And then he started backtracking 
is it's already friction. It's already drama for a, a program who can't really afford drama at this point, especially with all the freaking NIL money thrown in there. And you've lost half your recruiting class from last year, that your historic class because of eligibility and just freaking issues of racing with Denver Harris flying around, to, which now he's in Baton Rouge. So that's Brian Kelly's problem to deal with. I just Brian man, Kelly's got enough problems. There's just so much of this. It's hard. Like, like I, I, I honestly, I don't want to go one by one through all these things, but if if any of y'all have heard Nick Saban's presser at the start yes. of their spring practices, honestly, at first when I heard it, I was like, oh man, he is taking some shots at Nate Oates. He is tired of the extra scrutiny that the basketball program at his school has brought onto his football program. That's the thing. And then you I'm, don't like, want, no. I'm like, wait. I'm like, wait. It's a message for the whole dang SEC. He is I, – I, I don't know if Saban meant it as more than, more than just for his, the basketball program, but it applies to the whole SEC. Like, I – it's amazing how much – even myself, I'm just kind of like, well, that's what you get there. That's their win at all costs. Well, the, you know. that, and that's that's the, the the messed up part about all this. It's like everybody's numbed to the ignorance, and everybody's like numbed. it doesn't seem abnormal. Yeah, it's like oh, well, that's just what they do. You hear about the pre bowl gangbang from LSU, and you're just like, oh, man, they're crazy down yeah, there. Yeah, Mardi Gras came early. Like it, it, it blows my mind. It, 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 it's ridiculous, dude. But at the end of the day, I guess if you keep racking up natties and you keep winning, you can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, but something's got to give. Something's got to stop. But It's across the whole conference. It's across everywhere. It's just over there. I think you're going to see more and more of it, too. And it's it, that's going to be something to keep an eye on with all this NIL and throwing money around to people who don't have a good concept. Like If you would have given me millions of dollars when I was 20, there's God tell no telling what I would have done. It would not have been good. I would have yeah. done some stupid get, stuff. Get ready for morality clauses in, in NIL contracts. You're going to see. If they're not already I, there. Because I, 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 I just think there's too many parallels to some of the things that are happening across the board that you can draw the conclusion to. It starts with NIL in a lot of these situations. That's a topic for another day. But uh, that's all I have on the, the SEC. Do you have anything before we roll? I don't really want to die. Like, it's it's concerning. I know it doesn't only happen in the SEC. I'm not trying to say it does. It's just really concerning how public, how often, and how mishandled it seems all of these situations are. Yep. And I will say it: the coaching hires seem to happen that, more in the SEC. It, it's that's the, another the thing. Players, the players, and the money with all all that. There is a certain amount of well, like what can you expect from people who have not not used to having money and freedom all of a sudden going off to college being away from their support system having to find a new support system and having a lot of money and yep. success to go along with it that i don't want to say it's understandable when it gets to the heights of you're driving 141 killing people any of that that's crazy that's not understandable at all the smaller things are understandable though and it's always much more understandable when it's someone young and someone not used to the situation around them when you're talking about adults in the room, when you're talking about a guy like Durkin who literally ran a kid too hard and he died, and then he gets hired by two different SEC schools because mm. he was at Ole Miss first. Petrino? All that? Like, you can put you can put stuff behind you. I want to give people second chances, but it just seems crazy to me that Ole Miss has hired Durkin, 
uh, Freeze, and now Beard. Like, they do not care. They are like, I want to win. Do whatever the hell you want. As mm-hmm. long as we can still play for the championship games. Like, it. The SEC, the SEC has to be better about the adults and the leaders they bring in. Because you're not going to be able to flush out all of all of the issues with young kids, with, with kids, with young adults, with with people who just cannot be expected to know how to handle everything. The adults in the room need to be better, which means the adults who hire those adults need to be better about hiring the right types of people. They I'm do. Sorry. I, I, they I'm do. And we'll see. We'll see if that ever happens. I, I think it's going to be a while because I think it's a bigger issue than that. And I think it's kind of reflective of where we're at as a country. But anyway, <laughs> so that's going to do it for today's episode. We appreciate you listening. We will be back next week, and we will look back at the Sweet 16 as that gets started tomorrow night. But this has been the College Chaos Podcast here, powered by 365 Sports.